Hi, and welcome to the Happy Lawyer Podcast with me, your host, Catherine Shearer. I am a mom, a wife, a dog mama, a daughter, a sister, a personal injury and medical malpractice lawyer, as well as a wellness enthusiast. I have started this podcast because I have suffered from stress and anxiety, and I seriously considered leaving law. But when I got clear on what it is that I wanted out of my career, made some big changes, I discovered that law doesn't have to be depressing, anxiety producing, or permanently high stress. And I didn't have to be another woman that left the profession. So this podcast is intended to get the conversation started and to keep it going when it comes to the issues of lawyers and mental health, attrition rates in the profession, and the advancement of women in law. Welcome to the Happy Lawyer Podcast, Erin. Hi, Catherine. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I'm excited to have a a chat today. What I'm really looking for is to have a little discussion on how lawyers, in particular, can eliminate overwhelm and simplify their practice and, to some degree, their lives as well to make the practice of law a little bit easier. But before we jump into all that, I would love if you could give a brief history uh, on you for the listeners, because I know you used to be a practicing lawyer and you kind of transitioned out of that. So can you tell me about that journey? Sure, absolutely. So I um, practiced law for about seven years. I went to law school right out of college. And I have a story that I found is very similar to many lawyers, um, not all of us, but um, quite a few of us who basically didn't know what they wanted to do with their life or their major after college and um, went on to law school because there's the old adage that you can do anything with a law degree, right? Um And so off I went, I was a good arguer, great at school, Um, all the things, went on to law school and I really did, I loved law school. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous for, you know, all of us have been through law school, but I really did love learning about the law and excelled and graduated at the top of my class, went to big law, was following all the things. And there I found myself in big law with the reality of holy cow, like this is, um, this is really not what I thought I was signing up for. Um, I really don't want to be a partner. This is, I I don't want all of this, but here I was because this was, I was doing what I was, what we should, right? Like that's what they tell you in law school, you go and you graduate, top junior staff, your your class, you get an internship and then you go on to big law and then you're a partner and all this stuff. And I was like, well, I'm doing all the things, but this does not feel right. But what do I do? I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a community of women. I didn't have anybody to tell me that there was a different way. So on I went, I was there for several years, actually got laid off in the 2008 recession from that job, which is interesting. Looking back, I thought that was like the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And in hindsight, it was just, it was probably the universe, like just doing me a favor that I maybe wouldn't have done for myself. And so then I went on to um, in-house and I also became a mom during those years. And while I thought I was moving to a job with more flexibility and less overwhelm and all the things, I was just simply changing environments. That was not flexible at all. You couldn't work from home. This was pre-COVID for our young guns out there, but this was pre-COVID. And again, I was stuck in that place of, I didn't have a mentor. I really just didn't know that there were other options. There were people practicing law differently, that there were people like actually making this profession work for them. 
I walked away from the law and decided to stay home with my babies. And it was such a beautiful time. I gave birth to another daughter, but it was also a time where I was having a major identity crisis. I, we wrap so much of our identity into being an attorney. You know, you become this whole, it's like a whole thing. And so when you walk away from a profession that's so much of your identity, you have to unwind who you actually are outside of that. And that was quite a journey. And it really wasn't until I hired a coach myself that, and she actually was an attorney herself. And she pointed out to me that, you know, making change in your life is not, you know, moving to Bali and like going on an eat, pray, love thing. It is simply simple mindset shifts and habit changes and, and action over time and getting aligned with your values and your priorities and taking action that way that the light bulb went off. I was like, oh my gosh, I have been living my life according to everybody else's expectations, values, what they wanted. I didn't even know who Erin was, what she actually wanted her life to look like. And once I started to align that, um, I knew that coaching was where I was called. I had been inadvertently doing this my entire life, come to find out as I've like walked into this, everyone's like, oh, this is, you've been doing this the whole time. And I just kept running into recovering attorneys or women in the law that were burned out or, you know, at a point in their practice where they're just like, what now? Like, what do I want this to look like five years from now, 10 years from now? How do I want to feel every day when I get up? And, you know, I know that God just put me here to serve these women with the knowledge and experience that I have. So Erin Gurner Coaching was born and here we are. Oh, that's such a lovely story. I think you, you kind of said it, when um, you said, is a story like a lot of others, you know, I went to law school and I did all the right things and I went in big law and it just, it, it didn't feel right for me. And that I, you know, also added into that is that you probably wouldn't have made the change to leave big law without being laid off. Um, and then you had that, you know, the trial and error process of in-house um, and then saying that, you know, you never really reflected on you know, who you are and what your values are. And I think um, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast is that maybe a law school version of myself or anybody else, they may, may not have known what their values were at that time um, or the fact that they change over time. So that's something to, um, it's, it's very nice to see that it's becoming part of the lexicon now, where people are actually trying to align their their work, whether that's in the legal field or not, with, you know, their values and who they are. It really is. I think we're at a point in society and time, and I, you know, I'm not sure if COVID pushed us at this point, but I think there's so many people who have stopped and taken stop of what life looks like, what it feels like, and now they know that they're leaving a legacy for, for, for themselves, for their children and their children's children, and what do they want that to look like? What do they want it to feel like? And I think when you sit down and actually reflect on that um, and really get clear on what your values are, what you stand for, what you want, and then you start to take aligned action, things become clear, right? Like we talk about overwhelm and we, we get paralyzed in that state, but the, the surest way to overcome overwhelm every time is by taking action and aligned action, right? So I agree. Yeah. So let's jump into that topic a little bit deeper. 
Um, when we're talking about overwhelm, I think it's really common for lawyers and any professional, I, I would suppose, to feel very overwhelmed with daily life. Um, there's a lot of demands when you're an attorney, whether you're, you know, um, in more of a solicitor or in, in litigation, like there's competing demands, there's a lot on your plate. You, whether you like it or not, to some degree are also a leader because you usually have other team members and staff that you have to deal with. There's a lot of business in law that nobody teaches you in law school. So not only are you trying to like learn your craft, build a practice, which is also, you know, building a business and dealing with the realities of running a business or being part of a business, but also having staff. And then, you know, you take that one step further and then you're also competing, you know, with life and you probably have, you know, young kids or older parents and a lot of responsibilities. And I know for women, a lot of the responsibility also comes, you know, cooking and cleaning and all of those things. So it can feel very overwhelming. What are some strategies to try and eliminate that feeling of overwhelm? I think first and foremost, we have got to have a conversation and a mindset shift about the word work-life balance that gets thrown around, honestly, like so sloppy. I think it is crippling women in the law. Balance is BS. It's never going to happen. That means equal life is never going to be equal. Like that is absolutely impossible. And the sooner we can just say that's not possible and take it off the table, women are chasing this like elusive work-life balance that like, if I just do this, or if I'm just this person, then my life will feel easy. Like this whole narrative that's been created. First and foremost, I've just, we've got to eliminate that. Second of all, my theme in life is, we said it before we even got on this call, done is better than <laughs> It is truly learning to embrace the ebb and flow of this imperfect life. Because like you said, things are always going to be hectic. Life and law are always going to be hectic. It is when you choose to decide to think, what do I need to prioritize in this season versus I need to do everything? That is the mindset differential because you can have a to-do list, you can have a journal, you can time block or whatever, but if you're still under the mindset that I should be doing it all versus what are my priorities in this season and leaning in to knowing that it is a season, it is not permanent. Everything changes, your priorities should and do shift over time. So when you lean into that with the acceptance and grace that like, this is what it is. Like you said, like maybe you're caring for aging parents right now. So things that you quote unquote think you should be doing are not a priority right now because you've got to shift your priority to family and work. So things are going to have to come off the plate, not forever, but just right now. And so that is really the basis and the foundation of how I start coaching women of just really flipping the script on I've got to do everything to versus what is serving me? What is my priority right now? And then that helps you form boundaries, delegate, eliminate, ask for help from that place. Yes. Uh, I love that. I, I was just thinking as you were saying that, um, you know, uh, first of all, the whole done versus perfection is very profound because it's hard for many lawyers who are perfectionists 
to take a mindset um, shift like that. And it reminds me when I was very junior, just starting out, I had a mentor, which, you know, maybe wasn't the best mentor, but this piece of advice stuck with me. And it was, I don't remember if I was drafting pleadings or emotion or whatever it was. And he said, he looked at me, he was like, Catherine, not every case is going to the Supreme Court. You have to, you know, think about that. Sometimes done is done. And uh, that's something that stuck with me. It's like not every case is going to the Supreme Court. And, you know, there, there are those flexibilities that you have to build into your practice in terms of um, what you turn your attention to, how much work you put into things, what is the outcome, looking at those things without putting all of that pressure to be perfect for absolutely everything. It also, this conversation also sparked something um, that I was thinking about this morning. I was running really late. I was behind on my schedule. Um, the kids shockingly slept in. Now, when I say sleep, slept in. I mean, they were in bed still at 6.30. So that was like a revelation. And um, I was a little bit behind schedule to get my workout before the kids got out the door. And then, you know, you have to shower and make your lunch and do all those things. And I was like, I can't possibly do all the things I still need to do this morning and, you know, get to work for my nine o'clock phone call. So I'm just not going to clean the kitchen. And I left it in one pet of a disaster being like mess will still be there when we get home clean clean it later and it's okay it's okay right like that that is okay and once we start allowing ourselves the permission for it just to be okay and for it not to mean anything you or about anybody else then you can really boldly step into like that's not important right now this is the priority and that's what i'm doing i'm not going to beat myself up about it and right, I'll get to it when I get to it. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it was, uh, it was just, you know, it's a process though, because I can remember times when as a perfectionist, you want everything to be perfect all the time. So the house has to be tidy and organized and everything has to be put away and clean and the laundry done before you can, you know, do the next thing so that, you know, when you get to work, you're not thinking about something else, but it's really easy once you train yourself to do it, to just compartmentalize things. Like, that's not really a priority for me. I have lots of time, but I also have lots of interests. So the priorities for me right now are X, Y, and Z. People always ask me, how do you do so much? Because I have two little kids, uh, you know, a husband, a house. I still do a lot of the cooking, the cleaning myself, uh, running a busy practice. I'm a partner in a law firm. I'm on three boards, two committees, and have a podcast and do regular presentations. Like, there's a lot to do. How do you always do it? And I was like, just prioritize different things at different times. Seems easy. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I, I say this line all the time. You can have it all, just not at the same time. That's right. You know, Absolutely. and that's the beautiful thing. When you can lean into that and that knowing that this is a season and you can still set yourself up to win, even in a busy season, even in a stressful season, that is empowering. That That is not overwhelmed. That is empowering. Yes, definitely. And to know that sometimes the chaos is 
to know that it's sometimes temporary and you just need to kind of slow yourself down and realize it doesn't have to feel like chaos. Mm-hmm. Just slow it down and, you know, take what it is and, you know, move from there. And then you, you almost become very surprised at how productive you can actually be in the midst of chaos. It is. It's really getting control of your thoughts first by just becoming aware of them. And, you know, we were so busy as lawyers, you know, like it would be so easy for you to have listed off all of those things and, you know, like hair on fire, right? Like the hair on fire, but you're not hair on fire, right? Because you're, you're clear on your priorities. But I think it's so easy for us to just keep pushing the pedal all the way down to a hundred and never stop long enough to like take a deep breath and actually hear what's going on in our head. Um, so that's just, it's just so important to stop and become aware. And then once you're aware, it's then just forming the habit and giving yourself compassion and grace to try again next time. Exactly. And I think sometimes, you know, there's still days where everything does feel overwhelming on those days. I can usually check in with myself and say, did I eat enough? Did I sleep enough? And usually it's one or both of those things that I didn't do. And then all of a sudden, what seemed manageable the day before, all of a sudden feels overwhelming. And it's because I haven't done the proper things to make sure that I'm able to handle that load with a rational mind that's like, you don't have to do it all at once, you know, small chunks, those types of things. And um, yeah, usually it's like asleep or... um, like I didn't eat enough or I didn't sleep enough. I maybe pushed myself too hard in a workout, didn't build in a recovery period. And sometimes there's those days where you're like, okay, I need a timeout. And that's when you need to look to your supports to, to allow that. So sometimes if we're, you know, feeling overwhelmed, either it's work or with family stuff, you know, I'll say to my husband, like, I need a day. I need a day where I'm not working and I'm not looking after kids. I need like a teeny tiny mini vacation. So that's what will happen. And vice versa, he'll do the same thing. He's like, I just need like a couple hours, no human contact. Um, and then everything seems um, a lot less hectic or overwhelming afterwards. And that is the essence of self-care right there, is giving yourself what you need in the moment. That's the essence of self-care. Like we've complicated that too. Right. Like yes. this is, be like this organized. You got to have a morning routine. And by God, you got to get up at 630 and like do all this stuff. And it's this whole complicated rigmarole. And it's not. That's the essence of self-care right there is the awareness that, it, that it's information. Your thoughts are information. And then you're actually giving yourself what you need in the moment. That's all self-care is. So what are some other things that we could do to simplify some of the areas, especially in law, where we're feeling super overwhelmed all the time. Absolutely. Um, I think getting your to-do list on a master sheet is so important. I was victim of just having stuff everywhere. And as much as we want to try and compartmentalize work and home and all that kind of stuff, it's intertwined. Like we, we just can't help it. And when we're trying to have our brain on two different lists, I personally think that just contributes to the overwhelm. And so what is it? You get all of your stuff on your list and then you pick your top three priorities for the day and get into action. Those are your three priorities. And you base those off of your values, right? Like what's happening, what in your day, in your week, in your life or whatever, you got your priorities and you get into action. And that way 
once you're on your three items, you're not allowing anybody in to that space. That doesn't mean that after that you can't do other things, but it is really just making yourself prioritize what you know you need to get done off your schedule. Because again, you're getting into action, you're swiping things off of your list and it makes you feel more productive and you're going to get more done. It's once you get in the trap of like, I don't know what to do, then the overwhelm is almost too much. You are paralyzed and in action. It is constantly giving yourself like, okay, I can look at my list and say today, these are my three things. You know, you can even say like hot, medium, cold, whatever you want to do, whatever works for you. If you like an Excel spreadsheet, put it there. Everyone get a journal, whatever it is and do that. And from that list, you can also take things that you're looking at there because it's physically in front of you. I, Overwhelm builds in our head because we're circling all of the things. Oh my God, I need to do that. I need to hang that picture. Oh, I forgot to call the vet. Oh, I forgot to take the dog to the groomer, right? It's just all in your head. And then you're like, oh my God, when am I going to do that? On top of, holy cow, I've got this soccer practice and I've got to pick this file up and I've got this court appearance. And you just, your head is rolling off of your shoulders. But if it's sitting there on a piece of paper, you can say, oh, X, Y, and Z, I can email my husband and ask him to do those three things. A, B, and C over here, I can probably push those off to next month. Actually, so-and-so wanted to have lunch. I can probably message her back and say, can we push that to two weeks? Then you're able to take action on the items on your list instead of it just swirling around in your head. So that might not be revolutionary, but to me, it was approaching my to-do list with a different mindset. And I think another important part about the to-do list is being okay with the fact that it's it's never going to be gone. Like you're always going to have an ongoing, huge to-do list. Like you're never going to cross everything off of it. And being comfortable with the fact that you're never going to cross everything off of it was a big learning curve for me, especially starting out in the first couple of years of practice. I was like always in that position where I'm like, I need to get everything crossed off my to-do list and have it be empty. And the fact that that never happened caused anxiety for me until I was like, wait a second, this is never going to happen. So I just need to sit with this and, and realize it's an evolving, um, rotating to-do list. Like it, there's always going to be something to cross off and there's always going to be something to add. And I think to further that point is once you get it all on paper, your brain can see like there's no human that can actually do all that stuff. Like that's impossible. No one could do that, right? So your brain can see it on the paper, how insane that is. And it's like, okay, like no human can do that. So how are we going to actually start crossing things off this list to make me not feel overwhelmed by it, right? I mean, that's exactly right. And what can I delegate to somebody else perhaps? Yes. And that, because, because people are like, oh my gosh, well, I have to do everything. I can't do that. I can't ask so-and-so for help. Oh gosh, that makes me look a certain way or feel a certain way. That is why I always start with values. What, what, right? Like if family, if time freedom, if community, it, like whatever your values are, if that's not lining up, then the answer has to be no. The answer has to be no. The priority has to be this versus that. But once you're clear on that, that becomes a lot more manageable. But if you're mm. everybody else's expectations, like I had found myself doing for years and years, I was making decisions and saying yes or no, or having boundaries or lack thereof based on what everybody else thought I should be doing. Yes, I think there's a really good example of that. I'm pretty sure it's in um, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, where 
someone that he was a patient of his was saying that she forever wanted to write a book and just didn't have the time to do it. And so they went over what she was doing in the course of a day. And obviously none of it was sitting down to write a book because she felt like she needed to clean the kitchen and do the chores and fold the laundry before she could start um, writing. And that because there was like this expectation that if she didn't do these things, her family would be mad at her, her husband would leave her and all of these things. And so she just wasn't prioritizing the book. She was prioritizing, you know, keeping a clean house because that was more valuable to her at that time until she saw that reflection. And then was like, oh, you know what? Before I start cleaning and tidying, I'm actually going to go sit down for an hour and, and work on this project that I'm really excited about. And then she realized that if she did that, she still had time to get all the other stuff done and felt more positive and productive instead of having this feeling of dread, like, oh, I'm never going to get to do what I want. Exactly. And there's power in getting to choose how you show up and how you feel like, right. She got to change her perspective on that. And that's, that is what it, right. Like that's how change happens. And I also think it's one of those things too, like on the flip side of that, it's like, what are you no longer willing to tolerate? Like, did you want to write that book? Are you willing to tolerate your life if you didn't write the book? Like, yes or no. And if the answer is no, then you, something's got to change. Right. So there's that as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is there any other words of wisdom that you have on tactics to help simplify things? I also think you, um, you know, if you find yourself, I really think the to-do list to me and getting what you need to do out of your head is very empowering. I also, um, I like to ask questions. I think it's important to um, empower yourself with more questions. So the more questions you ask, the better answers you're going to get from yourself. Um, and while that's not maybe something to quote unquote simplify, I think when you're trying to simplify your life and you're telling yourself a story about why something's important or why it matters, you need to ask yourself again and again and again, right? Because our brain wants to, and we're perfectionists. I'm a recovering people pleaser. I like to, you know, we have a tendency to just say, yes, we're also women and we're fixers. I'm a mom, I'm a fixer. And so I want to fix. And just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. So I think you, there's also, um, it's really important to ask yourself um, important questions. And I also think that going back to what are you no longer willing to tolerate? Right? Like if you're listening to this and it's like, okay, well, that's great. Like I really want this or I want that or whatever. I want you to ask yourself, what are you no longer willing to tolerate? Are you no longer willing to tolerate feeling overwhelmed and crappy every single morning when you get out of bed? Are you no longer willing to, you know, for myself, be 30 pounds overweight? Like there are things that I am no longer willing to tolerate. And I'm not a victim, neither are anyone listening to this. And so you can actually show up and change those things. And it doesn't take massive movements. I'm talking about you just taking action, small action every single day, and you will look back a month, three months, six months from now and see massive growth. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. So while that is not a 
tactical. Well, the to-do list is tactical. I think that you can, the only way you're going to simplify your life and get out of the overwhelm stage is to become aware of your thoughts and actually decide to make the choices to do things differently and then to be accountable to that combined with giving yourself compassion and grace that everyone's just doing the best they can. Yes. Oh, I love that. Oh, well, thank you so much for all your words of wisdom today. I think that was really helpful. Any last words for our listeners? Well, I just want to thank you so much for having me on. And um, I also just wanted to share with your audience that um, a large part of my mission, we didn't even get to this as we were talking about overwhelm, but I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast how I didn't have a mentor or a community of women. And I think that forming community um, with women in the law is so important and it can not only transform your business, but it can transform your life. And I, there's just really not a space where women can come do that. And so I have actually, I'm going to facilitate that space in May. I'm having the very first retreat for women in the law. It's um, here in Texas, um, right outside of Austin in the Texas Hill Country. And I am bringing together an incredible group of women to not only come and learn from each other to scale their businesses, but to enrich their lives. So if that is something that appeals to anyone in your audience, um, it is happening in May. I've got a couple spots left. Um, but if you are looking for women to level up your life, then um, this is a place where you want to be. Amazing. And I will share the link to your website um, in the show notes. Fantastic. But thank you so much for having me on, Catherine. I just love having these conversations with other law-minded women um, one lawyer at a time. That's what I say, you know, like we're impacting one woman at a time. And I just think it's so powerful, the work that you are doing, um, to uplift and empower women in the law. Oh, thank you so much. So that's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please rate and review the show to help others find this resource. If you have any questions about your legal career, please head over to thehappylawyer.ca and send me an email through the contact page, or you can send me a message on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to set up a virtual coffee date. You can also head over to the Happy Lawyer Facebook group to interact with your peers and get extra content on how to be a happy lawyer. See you next time.